welcome listeners to another episode of Drinking and Screaming, a new podcast we're doing about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And this week we watched The Blair Witch Project from 1999, a film that helped relaunch the found footage horror genre. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we created this drink to be extra woodsy and just a little bit hostile. Just a little bit. Also, if I sound super energetic and awesome this episode, it's because I'm standing. He does have a standing desk. Just bringing a whole new dynamic to this entire episode. I made this drink. I call it Coffin Rock. Coffin Rock. Because that's a location in the film. So not like I cough and then I just really rock out. No. Coffin Rock. (laughs) What kind of drink should I expect? It's like a Kelly drink a bit, but also I made it, so it's not too bad. It's a good Kelly drink. It smells a bit lemony. It is. Yeah, there is lemon in it. Oh, I should have like let you pick out all the flavors you taste. Mm, It is very alcoholic, so it is very much a uh, Kelly drink, so Mm -hmm. we'll see if you like it. Have you tried it yet? I did. I tried it while I was making it, because I wasn't sure how much lemon I wanted to put in. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Also, mine's served in one of those, like, classy cocktail glasses. Heck yeah, we only have one of those. I gave you the good one. And, um, yeah, I really like it. It does just taste like really strong liquor, but I think the fact that it's, like, lemon and, uh, I don't know, something else makes it taste more like a cocktail than a shot, which is good. I feel like I should be, like, eating something with this to, like, go back and forth between maybe, like, a, a meat, like a roast beef or something like that but we're all out of food we're all out then i need a cigarette we're all out of cigarettes and i need to go back and forth between this (laughs) and cigarettes or all the things that they described what was it they described like mashed potatoes in the movie hamburger hamburger oh i think this one's also a buddy drink he's sniffing it very weird cats generally don't like citrus yeah but uh yeah i could see this with like a a nice red meat or something like nice. that. Just going back and forth between the strong liquor and then the strong meat. I put uh, the two liquors that are in it are one of them is a very specific uh, whiskey blend that is featured in the film. Ooh. So it's not a sponsor, but if you really, really want to know what it is, just watch the first 11 minutes of Blair Witch Project. <laughs> They're drinking it in their hotel room. The other liquor that's in it is the birch liqueur which is from our friend Joelle, who sponsored this episode, apparently. Oh, yes, technically sponsored it by giving us a gift. Woo-hoo! For, like my birthday this year, I think. Yeah, it's the second time we've used it, and I, I had to put it in because they're stuck in the woods, and they get the they get the, the tree, the stick people, and the... The stick people, the, and the <laughs> piles of rocks. Yeah, so I was like, woodsy. And then, of course, lemon juice and some bitters. Why, why ever would it be bitter? I don't... I don't understand that metaphor in the drink. Everyone's so mean to each other <laughs> in this movie. This does taste like licking the woods now that you describe it. Thank you. I'm also, glad. Also having a party in like a shitty motel before going out into the woods. Heck yeah. I think, I don't know, because at first I had less lemon juice in it and I tasted it and I was like, uh, maybe a bit more. But then I think now I put a bit too much. I should have, I don't know. No, what do you think? Good. Is it too lemony? No, I think it is good. It kind of makes me think of those lemon cough drops. I think it's one of those things where, if, like, the cons- the lemon juice that comes in the plastic bottle definitely tastes different than, like, fresh squeezed lemon. Yeah, so, we didn't have a lemon on hand. Yeah, I think if we did it with the lemon, it would definitely taste different. Yeah. But then you'd have to strain it to get all the pulp out, and it'd be a whole ordeal. And I was lazy today. Yeah. 
I had a bad day, listeners, but don't worry. I mean, that'll bring the proper energy to the Blair Witch Project. It's so true, because they had many bad days. And I'm, I mean, I'm standing, so eventually my back is going to give way, and then I'm just going to sound like an old man by the end of this episode. <laughs> Again, very fitting for this movie, where I'm very happy and excited, and then turn into a grump at the end. Woo! So this week, we watched The Blair Witch Project, which premiered on July 30th, 1999. It's directed by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. The synopsis that I have stolen from... Wikipedia. You, nope. You, you're IMDb. trusting Wikipedia again? No, this one's IMDb. Okay, geez, because we should burn that bridge with, with Wikipedia. <laughs> and I read it, and I read it many times to make sure it was fine. Three people go out into the tundra and get attacked by a polar bear, and it's <laughs> not until halfway through the movie that they realize it's a snow yeti. So it actually... <laughs> His three film students vanish after traveling into a Maryland forest to film a documentary on the local Blair Witch legend, leaving only their footage behind. Dun, dun, dun. And I liked, it was simple and short. There was a more detailed version of it uh, submitted by an IMDb user, but I liked the simplicity in this literal one sentence synopsis. Kind of incorporates that like hiking mantra as well. Mm-hmm. You know, leave only footprints, take only footage. <sighs> <laughs> Hit me with that trailer audio. This is my home, which I am leaving the comforts of for the weekend to explore the Blair Witch. This area's been haunted by that old woman. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you have to have every conversation on video. Because we're making a documentary. Not about us getting lost. We're making a documentary about a witch. And it's all because of me that we're here now. Hungry and cold and hunted. Just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. Woof. Scarier than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what one of the reviewers said. (laughs) Which, like, now that we've watched it, or at least you, I watched the last 10 minutes of it. Yeah, I watched it. Is is this movie scarier than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Ah! I'm not sure. Honestly, I didn't like, I didn't love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it does get kind of like rapey at the end. It also looked really campy, which. Yes, very. Like Blair Witch wasn't campy at all. No. It was more like psychological horror, I would say. Yeah. So I would have tried to go with like, I mean, reviewers back. 11 years ago didn't know what they were doing they just want to hype up like it's the scariest movie i've ever seen what's another scary movie i've seen the texas chainsaw i just realized 1999 isn't 11 or 10 years ago that's 20 years ago is it yeah right my math is right there yeah cool hoof hoof because i was about to say i saw this trailer when i was eight and that was a movie where i was like "Mm." If I see this, I will be cursed. I will die. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I feel like there was more of that back then of like, watching this movie will curse you. There's also like a huge amount of like early 2000 films were like, real story. Yeah. They've never been found again. Like so many of those. Well, especially after the Blair Witch Project where it was like, these three people really did die to make this fun movie for you. But like... Yeah, I always thought that if I watched this or I watched The Ring or I watched any of those other movies that like the curse would would come with it. Yeah. And that now I would also die the way that these people did. Which I always was like, they can't say that a movie is 
like based on real events or whatever when it's not in my head. I, that's what I always yeah. thought. But then when you actually watch, like now that I've been watching these films for this podcast, I like pay attention to the credits and stuff. And then it always does have that same thing of like based on like fictitious events, yeah. all, all uh, connections to people real or otherwise is like, not intentional which is weird because i think that you can get away with like based on true events because that's extremely loose i think it's like inspired by true events is what they can say yeah so it's like three people went out and filmed and came back that inspired this movie (laughs) where they didn't come back (laughs) also there was a witch when was the first time that you saw this with you Oh, I'd never seen the Blair Witch Project before. And much like a lot of other movies, the the trailer like hyped it up so much for me that I was like, "Mm, nope, not going to see that one. Never going to do it. But then you did. And it was a bit less than what you anticipated. A little bit less. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think if that was also the first time I had seen it. I think that's right. And then this is the second time. Yeah, must be because like I didn't start watching horror movies until like six or seven years ago. Yeah. So a lot of these like classic ones really went under the right went went under the radar. So like watching these new ones with you is usually my first time watching them. Right. Me too. And then we watched that second Blair Witch Project, which just added a lot of lore. Honestly, I didn't really I don't really remember much about that one. I found it very forgettable. I think I mostly remembered the lore, which is why while we were watching this one, I was trying to apply the lore. Yeah. And you kept asking me questions about, did we see that in that movie? And I literally was like, I don't know. I don't remember. I know we watched that film. (laughs) I mean, we'll talk about it more later, I guess, when we actually get into like the nitty gritty of talking about the movie. But like the whole premise of this movie is that they get lost while they're trying to film this documentary. Yeah. And I was like, I think the second movie introduces the idea that they're not lost for like a week. They're lost for like months and years. But like the time is different. So I was like trying to see if they were thinking about that already. But I don't think they were. I think they were literally just one to one each night was them getting more and more lost. Yeah. If they were lost for that long, they wouldn't be able to live, though, because they didn't have that much food. Well, no, it's like unless it's like the Blair Witch was feeding them and like spoilers, I guess, for Blair Witch 2, which we're not really talking about now. But I think one of the characters leaves like Josh in this one. And then when they find him, he's like 10 years older. And he's like, I've been lost in these woods for 10 years. And they're like, no, you haven't. You've been lost for like a week. And he's like, no. And then see, that sounds like a huge plot point. I don't remember it at all. (laughs) But focusing back on the Blair Witch Project from 1999, my first point is that I found it actually really hard to watch the dynamic of these three characters because Mike Mike and Josh really antagonize Heather a lot. Yeah. In this film, which is like fine because I am glad that she really stands her ground and is like a strong leader. But I still found it off putting how much they like continuously yell at her. And like it sounds from how she's speaking. I don't think she's lying when she's like, no, I know where we are in the beginnings. Oh, yeah. But then, oh, you think she's. I think think she was lying. Yeah. Ah, no, I find it. I thought it was real. And like, they do have the map. And I kept being like, why didn't they bring a compass? And then they finally like say that they have been using the compass and stuff. But like, this whole dynamic between the men and, and Heather was really like hard for me to consume. And then I, from doing research, I found out that the directors wanted to like just let the actors improv. A lot of this film is like not, I mean, the whole film is not actually scripted. They just had like key plot points that they had to hit. Yeah. Um, 
But then the directors broke their rule of like wanting the actors to be alone and like not interrupt them. And they had to go in and be like, you guys have to stop fighting (laughs) with Heather because it's like becoming redundant and annoying. And they even so like still had to cut so much footage from the film from being in the final edit because it was just like too much. So I wonder what the actors were originally told then for them to like spiral down into that. Were they like, oh, yeah, just get upset at Heather because clearly it's her fault. You're all here. But then they're like, all right, that's my one motivation is that and I'm be mad keep at Heather. bringing it up. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't like dive down that well, but I did find it like it was very apparent to me. And like as a lady, I've, I found it was like really I was struggling. Yeah, because like Josh seems to hold it together for a while. And it's Mike that like immediately starts getting mad at her. But then they like flip it at the end because then it Mike's like her support system. Yeah. And then Josh also gets gone. He gets got. Which might be part of the directors coming in is why that like that flip seems to happen. Ooh, maybe I have a trivia fact (laughs) about it and I can't say it right now. (laughs) Okay, well, then my (laughs) hypothesis is that based on the information that a director came in and told them like, hey, you got to stop. They probably tried to flip their dynamic or like change their dynamic because, yeah, it immediately turns into like less of them yelling at her and more. Everyone's just sad. But yeah, like the entire like, I don't know, Mike seems to go from zero to a hundred pretty quick, but we we don't see a lot of their journey because they do spend like several days and you can't put 24 hours. Yeah. And so, but I feel like they didn't do a good enough job showing between like, Heather, you are you lost? And she's like, no, it's fine. Okay. To like, fuck you. You don't know what the fuck you're doing, you piece of shit. Yeah. I kicked your map into the goddamn lake. And then that happens, yeah. Which like, that to me was like, Oh, I really empathized with Heather in that moment. Yeah, but there wasn't like a scene where, because Heather was continuously like, no, it's over this ridge. It's going, we're going in the right direction. Just keep going south, which plot point from Blair Witch 2, the witch actually like disorients you. Fucks them up, yeah. They they can't get out of the woods because she's continuously turning them around. But like at that point, it seemed like Mike was just like grumpy and upset. And he's like, I just want to get out of the woods. Are we going the right way? And she's like, no, no, I got this to like, fuck you. I threw your goddamn map in the water, you piece of shit. Like there doesn't seem to be like a, a middle scene where like, yeah, where she's like, even just a shot of her being like, we got to go this way. And then being like, wait, no, this way. And then they turn on her. Yeah. Where it's That's like, fair. even her demeanor drops. And I do, I want to correct myself. Like, I do think that eventually she is lost and like is lying and like, no, no, it's fine, everybody. And like trying to keep up the morale. But yeah. the first time that they yell at her, like they're still hitting all their points. Like exactly. they're like, we're lost. But then she gets them to the the coffin rock and like gets the, them to the cemetery. Yeah. So they were upset at her even before they made it to each of their spots. Yeah. Which I, I didn't think was valid. I do think that she was more lost than she was letting off because i think probably like the pre-production of this documentary was her going to some of the locals and being like hey do you know the woods can you be my tour guide and all of them were like no don't go in there to the point where she's like fuck it i'm going in anyways i can Mm. figure this out they drew me a map or whatever told me all the key points i can look at the compass yeah that's fair and so it wasn't necessarily that she was like extremely lost but more that she was overconfident yes that's yeah you took the words right out of my brain <laughs> that I couldn't say. Because, like, if you got someone who knew the woods, like, you got a hunter. Like, hunters don't need a map eventually. They just know the typography of the this area. Like, um, I don't know, what are they called? The woods, the wood people, that the wood police. You know. Rangers? The tree police. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but if you're, like, 
even if it's a new woods, if you're perfect at your woods and then you go to another woods, you don't have that like immediate knowledge of how to get around. Yeah. And I think she just thought that since like, oh, I go here, then north. Like you're still going to waver a bit when you like turn to go around a hill or like take missteps or whatever. Yeah. I'm just realizing now as you're speaking that um, have I told you the story of when I got lost at my cottage? No. So I was pretty young. My family has a cottage in uh, like north of Montreal and um, it's like a small cabin, but we have a lot of land on it. And sometimes my cousins would come to visit and I was really young. I think I was like six or seven and everybody was there, all our aunts and uncles. And I was like the oldest of the cousins besides my two siblings who yeah. are like older than us and they were like off too cool doing to whatever. hang out with you. Yeah. So I was the leader and I, I was like <laughs> Heather and I was like, let's go explore the forest. And I was like starting to tell these like spooky stories about like these like dead rabbits. Ooh. I don't, that's like the key point I remember. This was so long ago though. And so I like led my three younger cousins into the forest. Um, behind our cottage looking for these rabbits that I kind of knew weren't real, but I also was like young enough to convince myself that they were as I was telling the story. I really fell into my imagination. I mean, you know now that I am terrible at directions (laughs) and we got lost. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) And my poor baby cousin um, ended up peeing their pants because we were out in the forest for so long and and we did not find any rabbits that didn't even exist. (laughs) And then we resorted to... Screaming like, help us, we're lost. Somebody help me, please. <laughs> and kicker, we were probably 20 feet from our cottage. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, <laughs> let me let me explain to you people in out in podcast world how trees work. <laughs> you don't need a lot of trees to create a impenetrable wall. You can have like five or seven trees lined up in your periphery to like not be able to see where you're going. Yeah. Unless you're Shara's dad, who now has converted their forest into basically a grid for some reason, which is somehow more terrifying. <laughs> we have some, okay, this is a different area. Uh, we have some cunny fat, uh, what's that word? Like Coniferous? Christmas trees, yeah, yeah. Um, that were planted in rows. Yeah, and it's terrifying. They look nice. It looks unnatural. <laughs> Lines don't <laughs> form naturally in nature. That's a human construct. And the idea that like, I've stood in the middle of those trees and looked around and it looks like a horror movie because they're like perfectly lined up. It's like some sort of malevolent being has planted these plants <laughs> or your dad. My dad isn't a malevolent being. I don't know. <laughs> Hi, dad. <laughs> I also, I, I'm not a tree man, but I feel like trees grow naturally in a, such a way that like natural disasters don't devastate the land. Like if a flood happens, they hit trees and it slows down and like stuff happens. But if they're just a line, if there's just a tunnel for which this natural disaster can travel through. I mean, I think you're overestimating how big this section of Christmas trees is. I'm imagining that it's just the entire forest (laughs) has been converted to this grid system. It's basically downtown Vancouver in tree form. No. But still, I do. I'll give you that it's a little eerie to look at. Yeah. I would hope that they wouldn't get lost in that. (laughs) But that's so small. And the lines let you see where you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My next point is that I like the arc from the bright and wide-eyed documentarians that are about to go off on this amazing adventure and create this fantastic passion project to the destructive ending situation that they're in. I feel like the group 
really falls apart. And I found myself really rooting for them to live. And like, I was on that journey with them, hoping and praying and they're, they're all out of food. And <laughs> oh no, I'm not a smoker, but oh, their like habit is gone because they're out of cigarettes. They wanted to only be in this forest for two days. And it's been like five, six, seven. I felt that. Yeah. You're just hoping that the next scene will be them finding a road or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, sure, there were parts of this film that are kind of annoying. They really beat a dead horse with the like, we have to stay calm. Oh my God, emotional outburst. No, no, we have to stay calm. Emotional outburst. It's like a roller coaster of this a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I still wanted them to live. I can see that. And it is semi-realistic, their descent into madness. I would say that there's a few like peaks and valleys that occur, but for the most part, like, yeah, them walking into the forest, like happy to interview these two fishermen to like cuddled in a in their tent crying that they're going to die soon. Yeah. Is like a natural progression i would say like there's some scenes where they just look like they've given up which is exactly what would happen especially when you walked south for five days and ended up at the same place that you started although it did bug me that uh heather's hair was always clean oh yeah she just stuck her head into the into the pond cleaned it out yeah <laughs> i mean pond water can do some things but there were, it was like not greasy at all yeah i would imagine wore a hat for a lot of the film too, which would like make it extra greasy, I think. That's true. I would imagine you have a fact about how long filming this movie took. I do. Actually, I don't think it's in the actual scaredy facts, so I can tell you it was only eight days. Oh, that's still more than I would have thought it was. But I imagine they like, did they take them out of the forest each day to shower and stuff? I think so. Okay. I didn't go, I I saw that it was eight days and eight months of editing. So it's no Silent Hill where the actress literally just didn't bathe for... The entire time that yeah. they were filming, which that's dedication. I mean, I would have done that if I was playing Heather. That's true. It's a bit like, because it is annoying. I mean, the costume, hair and makeup should have done something. Yeah. But you also have curly hair, which like most film goers already assume is messy. Even yeah. though your natural state is like what they do with most women to be like, her hair is so messy now. Yeah, I got messy hair, man. But that's like, <laughs> I don't know. That's bad standards. We're like, that's just what curly hair looks like. But they could have done something with her hair to make it look greasy or have her wear more hat so that it covers it up yeah i do agree with you about the rooting for them for me i just wanted them to fucking get out of that forest so they can shut the hell up (laughs) because i that point that you made about it being super annoying that they're just arguing the whole time like there are just too many scenes of them bickering about the same exact thing that they bickered and i'm like please just fucking die or get out of the woods i don't care which one at this point (laughs) josh left cool one last person to argue with you (laughs) maybe you'll chill a little bit now that the like reality is set in we're gonna take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials this episode of drinking and screaming is brought to you through the amazing support of friend of the podcast joelle who provided us with the birch liqueur we use in today's cocktail also on another episode of the season i accidentally called it maple liqueur (laughs) which is a lie would connoisseurs would be much upset my bad our podcast is made possible through the generous support of all of our patrons thank you to everybody who is currently a patron and for those of you who aren't a patron you can go to patreon.com slash drink and scream yeah did it i don't even have a script this time and uh, (laughs) we will be ever grateful and we can continue to make 
amazing content, just the best content on the internet. Super coolest content ever. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream. Yes, that's right. I changed our Instagram handle to match our Twitter just because the Twitter one's the best one so far. Our Facebook has to stay at at drink and scream. Email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. Make sure to rate us on iTunes so that we can help new listeners find us. It's oddly enough one of the biggest ways that helps in Apple's uh, algorithm for where we pop up when people search so that would really help us yeah if you haven't reviewed us yet even just like popping in and saying man these two voices are super sexy and then giving five stars that just helps the algorithm i know it's a pain in the ass to log into itunes sometimes but it'll be much worth it you could also review us on Podchaser, which is a new social media that's happening for podcasts specifically, which is super cool. Maybe that's getting a bit bigger. I think it is. Check it out. Um, and if you want to talk to us directly, you can join our Discord. For now, we're still using the Super Hopped Up Discord, so you can check us out at bit.ly slash hopped up discord. But if that gets too populated in the future, maybe we'll make our own. <gasps> so join it now. Fill it. Flood it with all these horror aficionados. Here's a promotion for another lady-driven podcast. It's called A Non-Mom Happy Hour. We're not moms, to humans at least. And we love happy hour, so we think you'll like this one too. Check it out. A Non-Mom Happy Hour is the podcast that celebrates real-ass human women, whether they use their baby box or not. Hosted by Kelly Nerdzilla Mendenhall and Debbie Jo Nelson, A Non-Mom Happy Hour is a safe space to talk about mental health, trauma, disordered eating, surviving, and self-care. We talk about it all while laughing as much as possible, because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. If you like to laugh, feel like you've never quite fit into most lady groups or podcasts because you're not a mom, or are a mom who needs a break from momming for an hour, you should come hang out with us. A non-mom happy hour, bringing healing through laughter and community. Streaming basically everywhere you could possibly want to find us. Remember, always be a real-ass human. To check out the podcast, visit anonmomhappyhour.com. I mean, you can just dive into your points because I just I want to give up my last few point uh, slots since I have so much trivia about how this film was made. So just just dive in. I do think that it'll be more interesting to learn how this thing has been made. But my first point is kind of on brand with what I was just saying. But I'm going to be honest. This movie is fucking boring. <laughs> Oof. I know it's a classic and it like revitalized the whole found footage thing. But, like, so much of this footage is just tree and, like, extreme close-ups on rocks. and <laughs> Piles of rocks. Piles of rocks. Ominous witchcraft rocks. And, like, I understand that if your character is a documentarian, you need to get, like, tons of shots from different directions so that you can, you, if one of them doesn't, doesn't work, you can find that perfect shot. But, like... For all the voiceovers, you know? Yeah, all the voiceovers, all of the, like, REM-style black-and-white footage that you've recorded on your... 16 millimeter but like yeah just so much doesn't happen in this movie that it makes me wonder what the reaction was from like new people walking into the theater like i guess it was advertised as like this is real therefore is kind of boring it's the equivalent of your like family film that you record of your shitty son doing christmas chores (laughs) yeah they did that viral marketing thing of like they have literally been missing yeah these people are gone you will never see them again here's the last footage of these dead people but like i feel like you can take the part of them interviewing the townsfolk which is kind of interesting i like that part yeah yeah the like build up to them cut some of the stuff of them getting to the 
the graveyard and the um uh what's it called the gravestone rock or whatever coffin rock coffin rock like this drink's name yeah and then like immediately get into like well we're lost now oh no i'm freaking out oh no the witch is chasing us oh no josh is gone and now we found this house and we're dead this this could be like an hour shorter (laughs) oof an hour maybe 45 minutes shorter but wow i wouldn't even go there i would say like maybe 20 minutes I would cut 20 minutes. 27 minutes short. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've 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 uh, bartered an even footing. It also didn't help that, like, after we watched this, we did look up trivia facts. And I let me know if I'm stealing one, but I do need to talk about it. The fact that the directors did plan to have a shot of the witch in the woods. Yes, you can. Uh, you can. You can talk about it. OK. And they never told the people filming that that would happen. They had an actual woman dressed up in the way that it was described and the film people were supposed to point their camera at her and scream, what the fuck is that? And keep running. But they never captured it. And they, the directors didn't want to relive that and make it feel unnatural to like tell them, no, you have to point the camera at this thing. So the entire time we're watching this movie, I'm like, oh, there's going to be that scene where the witch is out in the woods, but they didn't capture it. And then it happens. And I'm like, yep, that was as disappointing as I remember it was. <laughs> like, it's... I, I understand the need and the want and the desire to make like a natural found footage movie that is like virally or not virally, but like organically filmed. But like when there's a key moment like that, that could be so interesting and like such a twist for the, the movie and they didn't capture it, like just to go redo it. I don't actually know because I do know that they did redo some scenes. I'm not sure. If, I think maybe they didn't realize that wasn't caught. Ca- that wasn't caught on until film, the editing until form. after yeah but then in that case like during that shot you can't tell who's running in the woods you can't they they show someone in front of the it's camera Heather, yeah yeah but you could 100 percent have a stand-in run through the woods and do that and i feel like it would i don't know oh i, I see to reshoot it yeah later. just reshoot it like yeah. I, f- I feel like every time i go on a rant like this about one of these movies there's then a fact that says that i'm wrong which is fine but i don't know the only like key points that i find in this movie that are extremely interesting are Heather's monologue, which I think is like such an iconic, iconic shot. I got some facts about it. Sweet. (laughs) But like that shot of her with the camera in her face is so iconic. And like that's, that to me is great. Yeah. That's Blair, Witch, the Blair, Witch project to me is that monologue. And then the guy standing in the corner of the Mm -hmm. house Mm -hmm. is another iconic shot. And between those two shots, it's just so fucking boring to watch this movie now. Wow. See, I feel the uh, not the opposite. I do agree that, especially to today's standards, it's slow paced, a bit too slow paced for the horror genre of 2019. But I still found myself so enthralled and like empathetic to them on this journey. I could feel myself in this situation. Like I've never been lost, like really lost, but I could I could become really lost. <laughs> I never know where I am. Yeah. Um, and you could you could film it the whole thing <laughs> just film the whole dang thing of being lost <laughs> and someone will one day find your phone and like i you know that i don't uh i don't find horror of witchcraft or ghosts scary but the i found this film does a really good balance i mean sure it's all because the blair witch is fucking them not fucking them yeah, but fuck, you know just fucking them <laughs> fucking with them <laughs> um but still, it's a very real situation of like, they are not going to see their families again. Like, they're going to starve to death because they only plan to have 
two days worth of food. Yeah. They have no clue where they are. Even though this forest isn't really that big, they still somehow can't get out of it. And there's a lot of weird shots where it kind of looks like they're on the edge of the woods. They are. Yeah. For quite a few. Which is kind of bad. Yeah. But um, I do agree. But I think that they, and again, this probably comes back to the idea that they harped too much on Heather. But I don't think there's too much, there's not enough focus on their individual breakdowns and their like, there's no character building, really. No. Like, there's a few... Like, Josh breaks down and then kind of goes crazy before he disappears. Like, him filming Heather. I feel like Heather's breakdown is realistic when... Uh, this is actually one of my next points, so I'll just naturally lead into it. Yeah. The fact that Heather continues to film is like... I've said this before when we watch found footage movies. Like, at some point, you just put the camera down. Yeah. But I think they did such a good job of establishing why Heather keeps filming because she literally says the lines like, this is all I have left. Yeah. And And the whole like the guys antagonize her like, why are you still filming and stuff? And it's so super annoying that she keeps filming even though they need to keep moving. But yeah, like they did a good job of explaining that like Heather is broken down to the point where it's like she's almost come to the realization that they're not getting out. They don't have any food. They don't have any vices or anything left. And it's just down to all she has left is pointing this camera at something and that that's realistic and smart. It's literally distancing herself from what's happening by having a camera between her eyes and what she's seeing. Yes. Which I th- I want to say now that also is a plot point in Blair Witch 2, where you can technically look at the witch through the viewfinder of the camera, but if you look at it, she'd kill you. Ah, I don't remember it, because I don't remember that movie. Yeah, it was a weird movie. I don't think, I think they, they're taking my point of the movie being extremely boring and then taking it too far Mm. where there was like too much going on in Blair Witch 2. Yeah. But yeah, I think for me, it's like, I understand the, not the need, but I understand like the success of this movie. Like it was successful, not just financially, but like whatever they tried to accomplish, I feel like they did accomplish. It was great. Yeah. Especially of its time. I can't, I can't watch it anymore. (laughs) Oof. I I feel like I could. I liked it. I definitely like it more than you like it. I mean, that seems that seems easy. <laughs> <laughs> Did I have another point? Um, I think I kind of combined all of my points. My other point was mostly just that um, I really appreciate that the monologue she does is so fucking gross. Like it looks realistic with her crying and just snot pouring out of her nose and and it's like super close up and shot right up her nose. Like I yeah. feel like she wouldn't be worried about getting like a beauty angle of herself to monologue telling her parents and Josh and Michael's parents that she's going to die and that they're never coming back. So I appreciate that. Nice. And Don't that, you worry. I got some facts about it. Sweet. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, those were all my points all mangled into one long point. Great. <laughs> Are we ready to enter the scaredy fact zone? The what? The scaredy fact zone. The what? Da-da-da! Scaredy fact zone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going for Twilight Zone, but uh, like, I want to keep the. It's been the like same. four episodes since we've established. It's got to be. It's it's uh, now. And We're forever. not going to change it just no. after four episodes. Maybe no. in season three, we'll get expert like music makers to make oh, us a new man. scary fact zone. That would be so cool. Uh, but for now, da-da-da! scaredy facts. Starting with the budget. As always, so, well, not always, but I established it like two episodes ago, and now we're always going to talk about the budget because I think it's important. Their budget was $60,000, estimated roughly. Jeez. Their opening weekend in the United States alone, they made $1.5 million, and gross, they made 
140.5 million just in the USA. Worldwide, 248.6 million. Jesus. That's a lot of return. Yeah. Even just their opening weekend was very successful. They made over double, wait, over. Like a thousand percent more. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot. Um, But then over time, it's just gotten, it skyrocketed in success. I wonder who the majority of that money went to, like how that was divided up. Like, do you think the actors went on a royalty or do you think they got like a flat rate? I know that Heather Donahue made four million. Wow. So that was probably. uh, But she hasn't. It's not in my scaredy facts, but I have learned that she's basically she wasn't able to find work after this because it was so tight cast. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Harry Potter, but Daniel Radcliffe was able to get out of it where she couldn't. She was up against a wall. Well, that's because she went or that's because he went into like weird indie shit. Which makes sense going from AAA to weird indie shit. But like Mm. going from weird indie shit to AAA seems less likely. Yeah. But I mean, she was found a huge success in this film. Yeah, I think she could probably survive for the rest of her life with $4 million. Maybe. Maybe Maybe get a a, a hobby job just to cover. (gasps) Yes. Yeah. She could become a gardener. She could become almost literally anything. An elevator operator. Except for an actor. (laughs) Or direct. Direct her own movies. Ooh. Ah, sorry, I just had to finish this drink. This is good. Yeah, I finished mine like well before you even finished your facts. I've been just, my thoughts, yeah. I've just been sipping, but um, usually I'm not a, a real fan of the really strong drinks, but I like this one. I think it's helped numb my muscles so that standing up is a bit easier, but my back and legs are starting to hurt. Oof. I mean, nothing's been as strong as the psycho drink that you made. Yeah, the anti- the awful martini? What's his name? Hitchcock? Yeah. The anti-Hitchcock martini. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was intense. Uh, but this no, is No, it was in a good. glass. Well, these characters these... were intense. I <laughs> <laughs> got it in one. Woo! All right, are you ready? Yes. My first one's about the audition process, which for me as an actor is very, very interesting. So the audition process was quite rigorous because the directors wanted actors with significant improvisational talents. Typically, the candidate entered the audition room would immediately be presented with a description like, you've just served 10 years of a 25-year prison sentence. Tell us why you should be due for parole. If the candidate hesitated for too long, the audition would be over right then and there. They wouldn't even be able to do any of the scenes. Now, is that... I imagine that's non-comedy improv because my first, like instinct would be well i haven't stabbed anyone in like two years and then they'd be like well that's that's cool at least you said something (laughs) uh but yeah improv doesn't have to be comedic i'm glad you brought that up there's dramatic improv blind date that we saw Oh, yeah. That's like a super famous show that's gone all over the world now. Uh, But the premise is of a woman who's an actor. She plays the role of Mimi, who is a clown. She wears a red nose, but she's very nicely dressed. She's French. And she goes on a date with an audience member for the whole show. And she's a funny person, but the show itself is very serious. Yeah, it's more like flirty funny than like, whose line is it anyways? (laughs) But um, tush stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but just to tie in something I thought was interesting was Heather Donahue, who plays the role of Heather. Her response to that question was, I don't think you should. (laughs) It's pretty good. Yeah. And then they were like hired. Yeah. I mean, that's just the first part of the audition. I'm sure they had to do a lot more. You're lost in the woods. What do you do? I get mad at the other people. (laughs) (laughs) But auditions are so cool. I love hearing about like films that do not just sides, but something 
interesting, especially with a film like this, where obviously they didn't have a script that uh, the actors need to be able to converse naturally. Yeah. I always like hearing about characters that audition or actors that audition for different characters and then trying to imagine what the show or movie would have been like with that actor as the character. Like famously, um, John Krasinski auditioned for Dwight originally in The Office. And can you imagine if like, someone else was Jim and John Krasinski was Dwight. Oof, no. For nine years? Like, what the fuck? I didn't fuck? know that, What actually. would that look like? Because I know that he and Jenna Fisher read for Jim and Pam, and they both were like, did they get it? Maybe it was It was I either it, that or uh, Rain Wilson auditioned for Jim. I can't remember. But it was one of those things. Yeah. Like, can you imagine either of those two characters in yeah, the Yeah, that would role? be so weird. But, like... Yeah, I, I love hearing, especially in like movies or TV shows, hearing that somebody else auditioned for the role and trying to imagine what that would be like. Yeah. My next one is Heather Donahue's mother receives sympathy cards from people who believe that her daughter was actually dead or missing. <laughs> Even though it clearly says in the credits that it's a fake film. Nobody Nobody looks credits. at those, which yeah. goes to my point before. Yeah. So I mean, it's in 2019, intense. the first thing you Google it, or the first thing you do do at the end of the movie is Google if there's like end credit shot or something. Yeah. But uh, her mom was told, right, before the movie came out that her daughter was fine. Yes. Okay, good. So I don't think I included it, but what's the name of that famous film festival that I always mispronounce? Cannes. Cannes, yes. At the Cannes Film Festival, can? which this was filmed at, or... Uh, screened at they had put up like missing persons photos of all of the cast but the next day they were all torn down because there actually was in sympathy for someone that was actually missing of a film crew (laughs) from another uh film that was presenting there so that was a bit sad uh but there was like huge viral marketing after the the Cannes film festival of um this being a real thing, which is something that led to its success because it wasn't one of, it's one of the most, uh, not one of the most, one of the newest, how do I say that? It's like one of the first that did that sort of technique in their strategy of viral marketing. Yeah. It was the forefather of viral marketing. Whoa. Um, yeah, I could see that kind of being upsetting, (laughs) but I am glad that the parents of the actors got told. I feel like we've done another movie where, they tried to trick people into thinking that the real actors had died, but now I can't remember which one was it. Was it Paranormal Activity? Uh, and they were actually in the screening, but they had to be in disguise. Yes, it was Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Because they did that same thing where it's like, this is all real footage. Yeah, exactly. And they, yeah, they were hugely inspired by the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. So I have a huge amount of facts that just go into how it was made. And I... Was going to separate them, but I feel like I just got to plow through these. I mean, give me your comments, but we got a lot to get through because I think this is the most interesting point of this film. Yeah, there's not a lot else going going on in the film. I just really want to know how they did it, though, because I disagree with you about how boring it is. But anyways, so trees. (laughs) Look at this 45 minute shot of trees. I talked about this before, uh, but just to give you the intense details the actors were given no more than a 35 page outline of the mythology behind the plot before shooting began all lines were improvised and nearly all the events in the film were unknown to the three actors beforehand and they were often on camera surprises to them all which i think is awesome the idea of like the surprises being there is is interesting because that doesn't really happen in most films like the biggest thing i can think of is in alien when the 
they know that the creature emerges, but that's all they know. Yeah. There, I find that most of the time, like whether it's the actor requesting it or the director requesting it for like big events, they want to try to get at least one shot of them re- reacting. Not knowing. Yeah. Like but in, this is like every single Yeah, that's, thing. A, that's a lot. Like the one I can remember is like in um, How I Met Your Mother, one of the characters' dads die. And the actor specifically asked, like, he was told that there was a big event. And he's like, okay, don't tell me what it is. Just tell me what the last line is so that I know, like, what to, like, how my line is supposed to be delivered. And then when he found out, his, like, reaction was actually him reacting the way that he would have reacted if he had found out that his dad had died. Yeah. Which is, like, that that's a cool acting technique. Though I do understand, that, like, actors are also just really good at, good actors are really good at being like, okay, this is how I would act. And then doing it (laughs) yeah but that is a huge technique that i love to use too especially like you can use that in the rehearsal hall if i'm doing a play i'll use that and then as you just feel that you you see how you react in the situation when you don't know and you can use that when you actually are performing yeah especially because theater is such a different body than film because you're going to do it over and over so you can't I want to be surprised. Like, it's a set script. You yeah. you, you got it. <laughs> you also <laughs> you can't know. be like, I didn't like that delivery. Can I try it again? And yeah. Then, well, no, there's thousands of people watching you right now. Yeah. Uh, the actors were requested to interview the townspeople who, it turns out, I didn't actually know this until I did this research. They didn't know that the townspeople were actors. They thought that they were actually interviewing people oh. from the town. But really, they were just actors planted by the directors. Because you said while we were watching that you heard a rumor that the people were real and that they were just using like psychology to convince them that there was a legend about the Blair Witch. Yeah, that's what I had heard. But it's not right. (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) It was the actors thinking that they were using psychology to convince people that the Blair Witch existed. Yeah. But they were real actors that were like, oh, oh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely heard about the Blair Mm -hmm. Witch. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So all the expressions on the actors' faces were unrehearsed. Um, next, the three leads believed the Blair Witch was a real legend during filming, but they knew that the film itself was going to be fake. Only after the film's release did they discover that the entire mythology was made up from the film's creators. So they thought that it was based on a real thing. Uh, to maintain the film's fear factor, the three main actors agreed to stay in character for the entire eight days of filming. Periodically, if an actor had to break character, the remaining two actors also broke character, but only after collectively reciting their safety word, which was, do you want to take a guess? Uh, I have no idea. I can't even, I'm bad at improv. (laughs) I can't come up with one. It's taco. Their safety word was taco. At no point during the <laughs> filming did they ever discuss tacos. Nope. If it, when that one actor is like, "I want some mashed potatoes, hamburgers, and some some pie," if he was like, "And some tacos," the other one, the other ones would drop character and start talking to him. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> I feel um, like tacos naturally come up in most of my conversations. <laughs> I love tacos. I would have gone with like plethora or like like Guatemala, something that like you <laughs> wouldn't talk about in a backwoods. True. The reactions from Heather, Mike, and Josh when they discovered that they had walked south all day and got back to the same log is real. They actually thought that they were going to the next point of filming where they had stopped because that's how the film uh, filmmaking was going was they would get like radio instructions of where to be going. Okay. But then they just, the team led them back to the same spot without them knowing. 
And that was entirely genuine, like, what the fuck? How are we back here? Okay, that makes more sense then, because in the movie, when they get back to that spot, they say we've been walking a whole day and ended up back where we are. But the specific log that they're filming happened like three days prior. So it wasn't the same one that they, because they do walk across a log that same day. Yeah, I thought that was that log. No, no, no. It was a different one. Because like the first one when they're like, when Josh is walking across and he's like, how are you guys going to do this? Yeah, yeah. That it's was that a, one? No, it's a different one. That's the one that they did both. They, they So they walk over that one and they're like, how are you going to make it with the 16 millimeter or whatever? Then they do that. Then a couple days pass and they cross another one. And she's like, if I never have to cross another log across the stream, I'll be a happy woman. Right. I thought that was the same log. No, the one oh. that they film, unless I'm entirely wrong, but when she films it from a certain angle, it looks identical to the one where Josh is like, how are you huh. going to get across? So I, when they were, maybe I'm wrong because like when they say like we've walked an entire day and ended up back where we are. Yeah. But you're saying that like the crew was like, okay, go south and then go east and then go north and then go west. Basically, but without saying it in that way so that they know that they're going yeah. back where they were. Hmm. Yeah, I might be wrong. That's interesting. That is, that is cool though that they did, they tricked them. <laughs> my last point is of how it was made was pointing out a specific scene of when um all the actors are in the tent and the tents are shaking and they're like oh my god what is happening they run out that uh wasn't supposed to happen the directors just did it and like freaked the fuck out of the cast oh they had no idea that was gonna come up I thought you said they didn't know that anything was going to come up. Well, most of the they do a good job of like having surprises, but there are they all know like the specific points that they're hitting in the day and like the general commentary that has to come up. But did they know that like when they wake up, there's going to be three rock piles and then one night they're going to wake up and a bloody package is going to be in front of their of those specific things? Um, I don't know which ones they knew okay. was going to happen and which one wasn't, but this is a clear one that they had no idea at all. And then they just run out into the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Is that not the same night, though, where they put a witch, like they actually had a woman out in the woods that looked like the witch? No, that's later. Okay, because I know there's one, I thought it was when they run out of the the tent and then she screams like, what the fuck is that? And I thought that was the same one. No. Okay, but I am interested to hear about that fact. Yes. Okay, so um, I kind of mentioned this already, but it's... The Blair Witch Project is one of the like original large scale viral marketing campaigns that happened for a movie. But I know that you get really interested when there's like a deep lore of like online websites and shit that happens with a movie. Yes. All the ARGs. This does it. A website debuted on the Internet one year prior to the release in order to set up the premise of the documentary, complete with detailed reports of the search, the recovery of the trio's footage within an old cabin, reactions from their real families and expert opinions. The three actors were instructed to refrain from making public appearances. The myth wasn't debunked until after the movie's premiere, but positive word of mouth had already popularized the movie to the extent that its success completely overshadowed that of the almost simultaneously released big-budget horror movie, The Haunting. Haunting. That had, like, a huge amount of uh, money backed behind it, whereas this one only had $60,000. Hmm. That is cool. I like... uh, (laughs) It does kind of suck that they couldn't go out for a year, basically, while this, like, whole advertisement thing was happening, but... It seems to have worked out properly, which is fine. Yeah. And now everyone knows that the actors are alive. (laughs) Also, I realize, I think I didn't even include that fact, but you basically had said it about how the 
the actors forgot to pan to the creature. Yeah. That was like, that was the fact. Yeah, okay. And they did have, they had a crew member dressed in a white dress and uh, a black hairy body and stuff. So they had a Blair Witch that was supposed to be in the film, but they never actually get to see it in the movie just because the actors were running and not knowing to look. But she did react to it though, because she points into the woods and says, what the fuck is that? But yeah, I'm as the more I thought about it, like a, I would love if they had gotten that shot just even for my own curiosity to see what the makeup looked like and what their representation of the witch was. But then I think like would people have immediately just been like, this ain't real the moment they saw it. Or do you think that it would have dug them further into believing that there's a witch out in the woods? I think it goes that your imagination of what they're seeing is worse than anything they could have shown. Yeah. So I think that they were in a way happy of what happened. I guess that is true. Like, most of the best like representations of like H.P. Lovecraft are more descriptive than actual showing you stuff. Like yeah. the idea that you're seeing something so horrifying that you go mad is more interesting than trying to represent what that looks like. But I don't know. It just makes it. They're just filming more trees when she screams that. <laughs> there's just more trees. Like there's and it the, it all looks like the same tree. <laughs> I know the trees Damn are it. trees are inherently boring to look at when they're collected together, but I don't want to watch a horror movie. That's all tree. That's fair. I would, I, yeah. And this comes up later. Like the ritual is, I think one of my favorite recent tree based horror movies. (laughs) And they do a lot of like, is there something behind that tree? Like framing it in such a way that it's like, is that tree spooky? Yeah. Tree seems spooky to me. Or uh, there's another one that we watched. The, uh, With the hand? It comes at night. Yes. Yeah. Which was going to be in the season, but unfortunately it, it can't be until next one. Yeah, we'll talk about that one later. But that also heavy tree-based horror. And there's ones where it's <laughs> like, that tree just looks like a person. Is that a person or is that a tree? I don't know. It's too spooky to think about. <laughs> and even if you just get like a quick frame of it, like even if they panned into the woods in Blair Witch and like got like the blurriest two or three frames of the spooky witch. And then she screamed like, what that the fuck? Would've, is, that would've, that would've given it to you. And it's like, then you have like people just researching the fuck out of that frame. And it could be like the greys that people, or what are they called? Um, not the greys. There's a cryptozoology of these like robed figures out in the woods. Oh. That are like gray and have big noses. And I can't think about what they I haven't are. heard of that. They're really cool. If you have a long fact to talk about, I could try to look it up. I have three facts left and we are running a bit quick or a bit long. So I would love to say first thing is that you pointed out how many times do they say fuck? Don't you worry because there was a fact about it. The film uses the word fuck 154 times. That's too many. How many lines of dialogue (laughs) are there in this movie where fuck is announced 154 times? A lot. It is. Like, again, it's like you're sitting in the theater thinking you're watching the last filmed moments of these people's lives. The last thing you're thinking is, man, the dialogue in this movie is awful. But like, I mean, we say fuck a lot. We do. That They're being normal That doesn't humans. mean it's good. That doesn't make our day to day dialogue. But that's what it that's what makes it so scary is that it's real thing that's happening. And that's how they are speaking, because they're not thinking about what they're saying. They're just saying how they feel. Still not good dialogue. <laughs> I like it. All right. My next two, I saved the best for last. The close-up of Heather Donahue's face as she tapes her farewell video was unintentional. 
She planned to have her whole face in frame, but she had zoomed in the camera too much accidentally. But the directors thought that exactly what you said, the closeness to all the tears and phlegm really added to the ugly realism of the scene. So they left it in. Yeah, because you can't even see her mouth moving. Yeah. I was like... This is actually pretty good. And it became such an iconic shot of it's uh, in Blair the, Witch. the cover of the film for yeah. most of them. Yeah. You can like you think of Blair Witch and you immediately think of that extreme close up of Heather's face. Yeah. And then my last one is that Heather and Mike were unaware that Josh was going to disappear near the end of the film. Originally, Mike was supposed to do that. They switched it because Josh and Heather were fighting too much which is exactly what I was saying before. The directors had left a note for Josh instructing him to wait for the others to fall asleep and then just leave the tent. They waited 45 minutes before calling him out and saying, you're dead. And then he got to just go home. (laughs) Wait, then what did they use for him calling out in the woods? They had pre-recorded messages. They got him to pre-record. Oh, and they like played it out on speakers? On boom boxes. Yeah. That's cool. Because I think that also is a plot in, Blair Witch too, but it, for a, in a rare occasion, I can't remember how it comes into play. But I think it it's either them calling from years in the future, or it's like the bear in Annihilation, where it's like copied the cry, yeah. the dying cries of your friend. And that's it. That's all my scaredy facts. Okay, I'm gonna take a moment to look for this cryptid, and then I'll just edit out the pause. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I found it. It is called the Flatwoods Monster, and it's like a weird teardrop headed robed creature that hangs out in the woods and floats yeah it's actually the inspiration for one of the monsters in uh majora's mask fun, oh fun yes tidbit i can totally see that because i think that would have boosted like the the legitimacy of the myth if people saw like a few frames of this creature and they're like no 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 i know that one that's that's the flatwoods monster or it's like similar to the flatwoods monster like this is totally real and like built this weird cryptid or cryptozoology Lore. community around yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I think it still, I, I personally think it would have been neat even to just get a few blurry shots of it. But, uh, I mean, it wasn't their original plan, but it just didn't work out. Clearly, the directors have m- more cinema- cinematographic knowledge than I do. All right, let's dive into our final thoughts. Go for it, Kelly. Mine is long and intricate, so... Sorry if this podcast goes long. Are you ready? Ready. Don't fucking go into the woods. That's it. That's it. Don't go into the woods. <laughs> All right, I won't. Mine <laughs> the is the Flatwoods that... <laughs> monster might be in there, <laughs> or the Blair Witch, or are they the same? Oh. Ah! Mine is that I definitely like this movie more than Kelly. And watching it this time around, something really. St- stuck with me about the predicament that the characters were in. I just, I felt the stress. My palms were sweaty. I already knew the ending of this film, watching it again this time around, but I still really appreciated the journey. So I, I actually really like this one, even though you don't. That's fair. And I did not not like it. It's just very boring and hard to watch again. <laughs> that sounds like you didn't like it. <laughs> well, that's been The Blair Witch Project, a movie about trees, lots of trees, And even more trees. (laughs) Next week, we'll be watching The Strangers. (gasps) One of my favorite horror films. I think it might be like the first real time I ever sat down and was like, I'm going to watch a horror movie with with friends. And uh, I think there's some lore of our podcast that Kelly thinks this movie is a comedy. Yeah, it'll be good to go from this like hyper realistic uh, found footage movie to a, a fun time comedy 
It's also probably one of the first movies that you ever suggested to me while we were dating. Yeah. I think you were like, this is one of my favorite movies. Let's watch it. And you were New like, new boyfriend. Ha ha ha, the entire time. And it made me very sad. So get ready for that. <laughs> I mean, the guy from Always Sunny in Shush. Philadelphia is in it. <laughs> Shush. And remember, always scream responsibly. Trees. Bye.